Good evening, everyone. Nice to be with you. Maharaj, nice to see you. Nice to be seen. <laughs> so today has been Ekadasi. I thought I'd say a few words about that um, important Vaishnava Brat. <clears throat> and um, some philosophical points, and we'll hopefully segue into some significant uh, corresponding supportive Leela narrative. So, <clears throat> Ekadasi, of course, is um, also known as Haribash, the Day of the Lord, and it occurs on, as you know, the 11th day of the waning and the waxing moon. And um, <clears throat> it's an important uh, vow, or religious observance, I should say, for um, different, uh, for the entirety, I would say, of, 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 uh, of Hinduism, whether it be Ghanis, Karmis, or in the, in the Karma Marg, in the Gyan Marg, or in the, um, in the Bhakti Marg. Hmm? Yoga is a little separate, but... Um, uh, <clears throat> Um, and as such, it's understood, I think, uh, differently hmm? in the path of karma, in terms of its importance, in terms of the fruits that may be derived from that, as well um, as in Gyanmarg, different understanding of it, whether it's necessary to observe or not, and so on. And then in the Vaishnava uh, tradition, <clears throat> and perhaps the Gaudi of Vaishnava tradition within that, even a further, um, uh, I, we would say from our perspective, more uh, developed and uh, robust understanding of its significance and uh, and the fruit uh, that may be, may be derived from its uh, observance. So it's um, well-known um, and not that well-known in, in another sense not fully known, um, but um, <clears throat> for the um, for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, it is uh, its observance constitutes kind of a partial or indirect form of what Vishwan uh, Chakravarti Thakur has termed in his Raghavart Machandrika. Um, Baba uh, Sambandi, or those activities that um, bring about remembrance of the Baba, which is the ideal of uh, each of the devotees. So, by good fortune of Sadhu Sangha, in time we'll understand we've been infected in a certain way by the influence of his or her bhava and that of the sampradaya that we're in as well and uh, and um, and uh, and that is to be appropriately relative to one's eligibility cultured refined focused and attained mm-hmm. so as we know 
in the Gaudiya Sampradaya we have the windows of Madhurya Rasa and halfway open window to Sakya Rasa that uh, the Nanda is falling out of, I guess, in service of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <laughs> and some people diving through that window after him. <laughs> so um, this uh, is then that ideal, whether it be Madhurya Rasa or Sakya Rasa, is the, uh, is the kind of the central focus of Rag Bhakti. Whether we have Jatarati or Ajatarati, whether we have Rati, whether we have Bhav, or we don't have Bhav, but we have been affected by the Bhav, and we're understanding that we have been affected by the Bhav, so we're trying to pursue it. Again, relative to our eligibility, we can incorporate certain practices and so forth. But the beautiful and powerful, perhaps most powerful aspect of this. particular path that Mapu was given to the world that affords again these windows into the Brajlila is that um, that cherishing or relishing appropriately idealizing hmm, that um, that attainment of one of these eternal bhavas is something that is definitely going to get Krishna's attention hmm, because it is entirely and absolutely about him. So we shouldn't think that to idealize and aspire to attain one such bhava, sakirati, madhuyarati, hmm, and and churn it into 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 rasa is in some way um, selfish. Hmm. It is the most selfless. It is entirely properly understood about Krishna. Krishna is that form of the Gada that is that is like like completely in the hands of the Gopas and the Gopis of Braj. And thus he's taking the shape of their friend, of of their of their lover. It's giving giving shape to him. Meaning, purpose, variety, prospect for love and so forth. Um, so that ideal is not at all about getting in this world, which would be selfishness. Neither is it about getting away from this world. And it's not about getting things, neither is it about getting away from things. Mukti, gyan, liberation, vacation, no work. If work is binding, I'll do no work. Something like that. So both of these are worldly-centered in terms of exploiting it or in terms of getting away from it. The latter, the the Gyanmarg, is Atma-centric, but the prospect, the full prospect of the Atma is not going to um, come out in that particular preoccupation of knowing the Atma. We have to know the Atma and know its prospect. Hmm? It has that it has a potential hmm? given a certain environment. That's certainly the case that we find here. Given the environment, it has a certain potential to to develop in a certain way. So with the bhakti environment then it has an extraordinary potential, right? Hmm? So Gyan and Karma from the Bhakti perspective are selfish or less 
um, selfless. I've often said, what what is better? What is more appealing? What is more noble? An ideal to love to exist or to exist to love. The latter is obviously much more of a compelling and comprehensive idea. Hmm? So that's bhakti. And when we come to raga bhakti, again, this is not then about petitioning God for things, petitioning God to get away from things. Neither is it about worshipping God because he should be worshipped. Okay, he should be worshipped. Okay, I better be there on time. Right? Um, of course, he plays possum. That's another thing. Hmm. This is, uh, if you have as much as we have the exploitive mentality, then Krishna plays possums, pretend to be dead. You can see them sometimes at Madhavan, they lying down on the road, just pretending to be dead. Hmm? Um, that's their defense system, built in by nature, right? So sometimes the deity plays possum. Hmm? <laughs> Of course, it's worth noting that it's said that mm, all the gods are present in the cow. Hmm? We have all the gods present in a composite, then you have more than the gods. If it's said about the guru sometimes, Bhagavatam says, What is the next line? Sarvadeva mayoguru. Hmm? Right? So we should always honor the Acharya. We should never be envious of him or her. Um, all the gods reside in the Acharya. It means that if the Acharya is representing Krishna, then all the gods are represented simultaneously. That's why it said, if you worship Krishna, all the gods will be satisfied, right? And the goddesses. Hmm? So all the gods are in the cow. Hmm? So I was thinking about this the other day because I was doing some Goseva at Audaria and um, <clears throat> for the last six weeks or eight weeks or so, it's quite nice. And um, and unlike the deities, the cows don't play possum. <laughs> so they're always there. They're always ready to eat and be cleaned up after and, and so forth. So it's a good uh, good opportunity. <laughs> To uh, worship them as a deity, because you you cannot they don't let you forget and you're supposed to be serving, you're supposed to be taking care of us. Krishna can go to sleep a little bit or play possum. They're not interested, okay? Then I will back off a bit. Hmm? Um, but it's one thing to dutifully worship God because he's supposed to be worshipped, and another thing to love him. And the Rag Bhakti course is about loving. God, and this then is the Godhead in the form of Gopal Krishna, right? <clears throat> and um, so the motive is different. Pujapatrita Maharaj used to refer to this as the difference between self-sacrifice and self-forgetfulness. Hmm. Just like sometimes a person will, uh, without thinking, perform a meritorious act at a time of, uh, of uh, in extraordinary circumstances. The, the building goes on fire and he runs in to save the child. Without, And they ask him afterwards, what were you thinking? 
Well, I wasn't thinking. I just went. I don't know. So what kind of a spontaneity where he forgets himself, but he becomes bigger than he was. Therefore, he's interviewed on the television and written about him. and They pin a medal on him and so forth. He doesn't think, just see how great I was. He thinks otherwise. So the Brajabasis, they're like this, and they think otherwise also. They don't think, we are the Rag Bhaktama, Ragmart Bhaktas. They are the Vaidhi Bhaktas. You know. No, actually they think themselves to be Vaidhi Bhaktas, and we'll, we'll get to that, even though they are Rag Bhaktas. So, so the point here is that I'm making is that to desire things and ask God for that, this is a very low idea. This is the, the low end of this of the spectrum, right? The religious spectrum. To approach God for things which aren't even in our interest. Don't approach God to get away from things. Okay, we're moving a little closer to Him because we're coming closer to ourself, and we are of the same nature. We're of consciousness, not 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 of matter. We're unit of subjectivity, not part of the objective world. Mm-hmm. That's here today and gone tomorrow, and we're uh, eternal. We're sat. We're real. Mm-hmm. Um, but not to approach him for eternal life either. Neither to approach him because he should be approached, because the scriptures say you should serve God. Mm-hmm. That being the driving force. Mm-hmm. But to identify that there is a, there is a class of persons of devotees who worship him for another reason altogether, for no reason. Hmm? Hmm. Because love knows no reason. Hmm? I'm not reasoning about, about it. Hmm? This this is the idea of Braj and the Brajabhasis. So we hear about them and we get, through good association, we become attracted. We want to become like them. This is an extraordinary idea that um, is what Krishna is all about. He's all about the gopas and the gopis of Braj. They are the forms of Prem that it said, Prem has the power to capture God, right? To overwhelm God. This is where it happens, to the fullest measure, right? So, to desire to be like that, so to speak, is to desire to be involved in Entirely what he's about, want nothing from him, but just him. Hmm? If I want things, I want to get away from things, I do it because I'm supposed to. Hmm? These are lesser motives, and they don't particularly turn him on, so to speak, in the full face, that is, the full form, full-fledged, as Siddhartha used to say, theism. Hmm. The Krishna conception is not moved by by such. Hmm. But, again, this is what he is moved by, and if we become interested in that, well, he's going to pay attention to us. Hmm. Even though our purpose, uh, even though our resolve uh, to pursue that may be interrupted by our conditioning, hmm, and we may be less qualified than a karmi, hmm? like a Brahma, hmm? who performed the Varnashram for hundred perfectly for a hundred lifetimes. Hmm? Or a big jnani, hmm? right? who's Jivan Mukta, waiting just for the body to end that he can 
merge into Brahman, or a big Vaikuntha Bhakta. Hmm. But still we have this ideal, hmm, and it's so powerful, it's so attractive to Krishna, that in spite of everything else, hmm, he's going to pay attention to us. And of course, we have that ideal in connection with someone who represents it, shares it with us, and so forth. So we endear ourselves to him or her, and this way we endear ourselves to Krishna in ways we could never do through Varnashram, we could never do through Gyanmar, we could never do through Vaidhi Bhakti. Hmm? So it's important uh, to have this kind of focus, if you will. That's called Bhavasambandhi. And, it, you know, it'll come and go, but, I mean, it, this, it should be the core. This is I, this is my ideal. This is what I'm doing this for. This is my purpose. Hmm? Whatever else happens, well, uh, um, it, it can't get in the way of, of this. It doesn't depend on that. Hmm? Whatever happens in the world. And even in the, in, even in the lives of great devotees, extraordinary things happen that we would... If they happened to us, we would think, I don't know, but believe in God, like the Pandavas, for example. But their example is there just to tell us. Hmm? He has his ways, right? Hmm? So, so this ideal, Baba Sambandi, this is, this is the center. And then now, I'm using Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's terms in Raghavart Machandrika, he says, next to that is Baba Sambandi, that which is related, Sambanda, related to that ideal. There are things that are directly related to it, like hearing about it, chanting about it, meditating upon, hmm, chanting the names of Krishna that are chanted in Braj, Jai Govinda, Jai Gopal, Jai Krishna, Jai Hari. Hmm. Um, uh, uh, hearing about his leelas hmm, in the 10th canto of the Bhagavat, uh, remembering him, his form, his pastimes, uh, rupa smarnam, qualities, his, quali- his guna smarnam, leela smarnam. And it, in the best one can, right? This is called Baba Sambandi, doing the things, engaging the things that are directly related. And some of those things are so directly related to the ideal, the Bab itself, that when they become mature, Practices such as hearing and chanting, they become non-different from the ideal itself. Hmm? And then there are those things that are are partially examples of Baba Samundi. Hmm? They're not inherently such that if I, by practicing them, they actually become the Bhava. Hmm? In other words, you can chant without Baba or you can chant in Baba and Baba will become uh, and the chanting will become an expression of one's Baba, the hearing, the remembering and so forth. Um, that, this is one of the most beautiful things about Kirtan. We do Kirtan to go within and remember Krishna meditatively and then within that meditation we're doing Kirtan. What is that Kirtan then? Hmm? That's cut. Kirtan to attain Baba, Kirtan coming out of Baba. Hmm. So there are so at any rate there are things that are partially um, or indirectly um, Baba Sambandi related to the Baba. That will that practicing will promote the Baba, will beget the Baba, will 
will will um, assist me in in attaining that um, ideal. Sometimes it's uh, described as the nimitta and the upadan karan. Hmm? The upadan is sometimes thought to be more important than the nimitta. Upadan is the ingredient. Hmm? You could have the potter, but if you don't have the clay, you can't make the pot. Hmm? Right? Um, so that which is directly Baba Sambandhi sometimes has been described as the upadan. Hmm? Karan cause. And then which is indirectly or partially related is called the nimitta karana. Hmm? So ekadasi falls into this category. Hmm? And with for Vaishnavas, practice of ekadasi is about remembering Govinda. Hmm? It promotes remembrance of Govinda. That's its fruit. If you talk about it from the Karmakanda section, Ekadasi will give you this, it'll give you that, it'll give you that, so many other things. Free you from this. And, uh, hmm. Gyanis, I'm not sure what their ideal is entirely how, in terms of how they understand Ekadasi. They may think they're beyond it. Hmm. Um, uh, Durvas didn't understand it, and we'll have to get to that. Uh, he was a Gyani. Hmm. Um, then in, in Vaidhi Marg, well, there's observance of Ekadasi, and we have it in as I say, in this way, it's understood in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So it's imp- it's important to Gaudiya Vaishnavism in terms of, it, of the ideal of Raga Bhakti. And Ekadasi, as I say, just a few things more about it. Of course, it, it, it's it's the 11th day, as I said, of the waning and the waxing and the moon. And that is also thought to be, to, to say that it corresponds with the 11 senses that are, Sadaka Deya is made up of five knowledge acquiring senses, five senses of action like arms and legs, uh, knowledge acquiring mean like hearing, what I hear, perceiving with my eyes. And of course, the eleventh sense is the mind. Hmm? So, eleven. So, ekadasi is to be observed hmm, properly such that it engages all eleven senses throughout the whole day in Krishna's service. Hmm? Remembering him. Hmm? And so the fruit of the Akadasi is remembering Govinda hmm? in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, from which everything everything is fulfilled, hmm? right? By that. So it's an it's an important vow. It's the, it, it is the kind of austerity that is to be performed for the Ragabhaktas, however immature they are, in Gaudi Sampradaya, which is in Kali Yuga. Hmm? Previous to Kali Yuga, we find that the sages of Naimisharanya, they attained gop, a form of Gopi Bhav and um, the Dandakaranya Rishis hmm? and Ram Leela, who, who experienced Ram Leela or Ram in his Leela. Uh, they, they were Chanting Gopal Mantra, which is our main mantra, hmm, meditating on that. But they are also performing great austerities. There are rishis living in the in Dandakaranya, particularly living in the, in the forest, right? As, uh, eating roots, whatever falls from the tree, and so forth, emaciated, and so forth. So, what are the austerities of of the Kali Yuga for the Ragmark Bhaktas of Gaudi Sampradaya? They are observing Akadasi, observing Janmastami, 
observing radastami, those are our austerities. And so they will involve upavas, which means ekadasi in particular upavas means to upavas. It means to reside near. Hmm? Reside near. Vas means also to reside. So to reside near. Hmm? It also means to fast. Hmm? And um, so if you're cooking for Krishna. All day, probably just to say, Kadasi doesn't mean fasting, it means feasting. Mm-hmm. Cooking nicely for Krishna, mm-hmm. then you're going to be near him. Right? Mm-hmm. So, the fasting, which is more prominent in, uh, like in the Barnashram side of it, or maybe the Gyan side, and sometimes it's thought to be the most important part in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but really properly understood, it's all about uh, remembering Govinda, residing near to him. And if fasting helps in that regard, then fine. Of course, we do we do a fast from grains, and that is another thing from an agricultural and a, uh, agrarian kind of world view. If everybody in the world fasted from grains two days a month, there'd be a lot of grains left over to further uh, distribute. It has some practical side to it. It's also said, of course, that the, the, the tides, that the moon has sway over on the 11th day of the waning and the waxing, the moon will, they will rise, the fluids within the body will rise and put pressure on the senses to take one away from um, spiritual pursuit. And so I saw that by reducing the uh, eating or not eating grains, which is the main you know, if you don't eat rice, you haven't eaten, or if you haven't eaten chapatis, whether they're from the north or the south of India, hmm, then you haven't eaten, right? Hmm. So, uh, <laughs> so um, this will then take the pressure off of those fluids rising and driving one to um, pursue the satisfaction and the the the, the, uh, the pressure. Of one's own senses. These are some of the, thank you, the thoughts hmm, about ecodicy, the practical um, side. We talked a little philosophically and um, its place in Gaudiya Vaishnavism and so on and so forth. So, for um, um, from the Bhagavatam, of course, then we we know there's an important leela in which um, there's two actually in which. Uh, the observance of a codice is brought out, and um, one of those is uh, that re- related. And I believe would it be the eighth canto, eighth canto, uh, and Maharaj Ambarish, ninth canto, right, ninth canto. Now I can see it. Thank you, Maharaj. Ninth canto. Maharaj Ambarish was a king, and he was a devotee, hmm. and he was very, very busy in Archon Mark. Hmm. Is he one of the devotees cited by Rupa Goswami who became perfect by one of the angas? All nine together. All nine together. So some Sukadev became perfect by Kirtan, Parikshit by by hearing. Shravanam, so Prahlad or Prahlad, 
Vismara. No, no, that's that's Akrura prayers. Prahlad by remembering anyway. And Ambrish by doing all of them. Hmm? So um, so he was pretty engaged. <laughs> and uh, and very Paka Vaidi Marg Vaishnav. And so he, he naturally he observed Yakadasi. It's the right thing to do. <laughs> and uh, on a particular Akadasi, the Bhagavatam tells that, that Durvas Muni, um, it said, Vaishnavera Kriyamudra It's difficult to understand a Vaishnav because he or she does not necessarily, will not necessarily overtly appear as a spiritual uh, person. Like a jnani will overtly appear as a spiritual person or a tapasvi. People will go, wow, he does. He, he sleeps on a bed of nails. He must be spiritual. Uh, you know, he's fasting so many days. He must be spiritual. He, uh, and whereas the Vaishnav may be feasting, may be sleeping on a on a, on a cushion and uh, and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. So may be engaged in worldly activities, but with a different motive. But it's difficult to, difficult to trace out the motive. Is the point? So. Ambarish Marsh had some acclaim as a devotee, and Durbas, as a as a jnani, um, was not understanding the virtues of, of Vaidhi Bhakti. Hmm? Many jnanis misunderstand Bhakti. Um, often it's thought, but in the Gyan Marg, that Bhakti is for those who aren't as intelligent. And it's a means to gyan. They do bhakti to get gyan. This is a common, promoted more by by uh, Advaita Vedanta, but it's widely uh, thought. So, uh, of course, Bhagavatam is with us before Advaita Vedanta, but it's making this uh, this point: gyanis don't understand bhakti. There are different courts. Different. There's a, there's a scale of jnanis, right? So, some will, and they'll become bhaktas, and so forth. They can be jnana mixed with bhakti, jnana without bhakti, or bhakti mixed with jnana. So, there's a spectrum. But on the, on the lower end, uh, just jnanis, they may not understand bhakti, and they may be a little proud, also, and they may be prone to being angry because they're constantly trying to suppress the senses hmm? rather than to transmute that energy and into service hmm? so anyway the story goes uh, that uh, that uh, came and he uh, uh, was bringing his many 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 disciples and uh, to the house of Vambarish and and some some envy of Ambarish apparently came in his heart. Hmm? And so he um, waited before coming and spent a, a particular, stretched his time out for bathing in the river before coming to Ambarish's place. And meanwhile, it was a codicy and the time was ticking down for the um, completion of the codicy. Vrata, hmm? by breaking the fast 
for example, at the pr proper time, hmm? right? Astrologically calculated and so forth. And so the time for passing, for, for excuse me, for, um, for um, um, breaking the fast, hmm? passed, and Durvas came after that thinking that Ambarish would have broken the fast and then he would have eaten before his guests. Hmm? And then, then he would be he would be shown to be not as pukka as everybody thinks he is and Durvas would have the uh, the uh, an opportunity to to curse him. Hmm? Something like that, right? How insidious, but it happens. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, of course, Ambarish knew the time for passing, and he knew that Ambarish was like on the property or something like that, or you know, on his way. And uh, so there was the dilemma: what to do? So, with his Vaishnav intelligence, of course, he broke the fast by drinking some water. Hmm? Which is said to be either fasting or not fasting. Hmm? So the Vaishnavas know this, but the Ganis they didn't know this. Yeah. So he drank a little water, therefore he didn't eat. You know, he had a couple drops of water, Zambarish, and, and that way he officially broke the fast without eating. Hmm? And therefore, waiting for Ambarish to come or Duras to come and to feed his whole group. Hmm? But Ambarish came and said, oh, you, "You know, the, uh, you're a Vaishnav. You, you done. A, you broke the fast, and here we are. And you didn't wait for us. Re you, 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 whatever. You, you serve Vishnu instead of us. <laughs> you broke the fast at the proper time. But what about us? And we're Gyanis, and, and so forth. So he uh, this way." It's apparent from this Leela and the Bhagavatam that the, the Jnani typically may not understand what Akadasi is all about and not understand the Vaishnav, right? Mm -hmm. So you can be a big Jnani but not understand um, aspects of Bhakti. So he, what did he do? He cursed Ambarish or something to that effect. And suddenly, perhaps from the altar of the Sudarsan Chakra, of uh, Narayan came off and started chasing uh, Durvas, who fled throughout the universe trying to get away from the wrath of Sudarshan. And uh, wherever he went, there was no protection offered. Mm -hmm. He went so far as that he had nowhere else to go in the material world, and so he entered into Vaikuntha. Mm -hmm. Now the question comes, and we've talked about this before, how could Ambarish, who's not only not a devotee, Excuse me, Javas, who's not only not a devotee, but now he's a—he's not a Vaishnav, but now he's a Vaishnav Aparadi. How could he enter by Kuntha? Hmm. So Jiva Goswami in the Sandarbhas, he gives a nice example that, uh, with regard to this. Sometimes a king in a royal assembly, for the entertainment of his guests, will bring a tiger in in a cage. Everybody can look at the tiger. Oh, look at the tiger. Hmm. Something like that. So he's in there, but he's not there. Hmm? Something like that. So for entertaining the people of Vaikuntha, sometimes Narayan lets such people in, hmm? apparently. And they can all observe the beast. 
Hmm? Goodness, strange group of people. Hmm? Weirdos. Hmm? Hmm. Just the opposite. We're thought to be weird here by the beastly, right? And so, of course, then he thought, now I've got refuge from Narayan, so I'm going to be safe. And what did Narayan say? Not from me either. I cannot save you either. Hmm? You offended Ambarish, so you have to go to Ambarish. So this is very humbling for Durvas. Of course, he went back and and it must have taken a long time to get all the way to Vaikuntha, right? Yeah. Having gone everywhere in the material world. What was Ambarish doing? Waiting for him to come back, fasting, hmm? <laughs> keeping the keeping the dinner warm. <laughs> so this is just to show the virtues, the control, right? That jnanis are thought to have, how the devotees possess that, even when they may appear to be worldly. I mean, he was a king, so he had many duties, is the implication, many worldly things that he was doing, but all with the motive to serve Vishnu. Hmm? And he was completely self-sense-controlled, mind-controlled, and so on and so forth. Hmm? So this is uh, anyway one example in the Bhagavatam of the Vaishnava observance of the Kadasi. And there's another also that's important and a little sweeter. And that is, of course, that um, um, in the in the Bhagavad it's described that the uh, um, after the gopis observed the influence of Krishna's flute and how those influenced by his flute um, were uh, received the, the benediction of his company to one extent or another, which wasn't the case for them. They heard the flute, they saw the effect on others, but it only agitated their hearts. They still couldn't get, get close to him. The flute itself hmm, was, it was just a bamboo reed that was so benefited by his flute playing that his mother, the river, who nourished the shoots, was erupting in ecstasy of goosebumps of lotus flowers, hmm? the Jamuna. So they described like this, right? Hmm? The fortune of the flute. Radharani even said, I want to become the flute. Hmm? And I know I will lose consciousness by doing that. Hmm? But Krishna will know that I made a sacrifice for him and I'll be close to him. Even if I'm unconscious, I will have made the sacrifice that's necessary to be so close to him. Hmm? Um, so, in Venu Gita, the gopis are glorifying the, the, the effect of the flute, which Krishna is practicing on. Hmm? He first started practicing in the presence of Balaram to see how it would work, and Balaram said, you know, you've got some talent there. <laughs> and so then he practiced on his cows. Hmm? He played his flute such that the, that the cows drank him in through the sound of his flute, through their ears, such that they were unable to moo because their tongues had become tied. Hmm? And as such, of course, they weren't able to eat either, hmm? which would, you would think their yield would diminish, but instead their udders only swelled and milk issued in abundance from them, from the effects of his flute. Hmm? And from the cows to the wild animals, he went to the birds and... and, and uh, the wild animals became as if caged. Hmm? Hmm?
And the cage became as if wild. Hmm. Civilized became, the uncivilized aborigines became tamed and the civilized became wild. Hmm. So many effects. And the inanimate, inanimate uh, the waters became uh, frozen like land, stunned like land, and the land moved like the current of the rivers and so on. So the gopis are describing this and, and how it was good for the river, good for the land, good for the cows, and that's not good for us, and so forth. And in the context of that glorification, the flute, of course, Radharani glorifies Govardhan as the best of servants. Hmm? Right? And the virtues of his uh, ways in which he serves, and so on and so forth. And that, this is all in the uh, autumn season that follows the monsoon season. And from there, the Bhagavatam segues, of course, into the Govardhan Leela. Hmm? Govardhan is introduced, his glory, through the lotus mouth of, of Radha, hmm? how in so many ways he serves. And of course, we learn from Vishnu Chakrabhitakur that he, he serves in terms of his being a devotee in Sakyarasa. Hmm? And so, from there, the Bhagavatam, as I say, goes into the Govardhan Leela, in which the position of Indra, the chief of the gods, is properly understood. And Krishna becomes the god of gods. He becomes Govinda, becomes the 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 the, um, the chief of of, uh, of of the gods, even right. Hmm? So after the Govardhan Leela, we won't go into that uh, here at this moment. But as you know, afterwards, um, of course, the beauty of the Govardhan Leela, in short, in brief, is that um, is not so much that Krishna lifted the Govardhan hill. Hmm? which is an act of majesty by which everyone was protected. But uh, in, in, with regard to his Sakyaras, Rupa Goswami ex- explains that Krishna lifted the hill and his motive with regard to tasting Sakyarasa. Krishna's rasa and Krishna's rasika. When we say Krishna's rasa, we mean he is the object of rasa. So... If you have to when you have love, you have to have an object of love, and you have to have the love, the, the person, the the vessel of love. So the devotees are the vessels of love, and Krishna is the object of love. He's Akila Rasamrita Murti, the very form of rasa. Hmm? Hmm. But he's also Rasika. So typically we define Krishna, we describe Krishna as the Vishayalambana, the object of love, and the devotee is the Ashrayalambana. Hmm? Hmm. But Krishna is also a rasika, which means he also tastes love himself. So from his own perspective, the devotees are the object of love. They're the Vishaya Lumbhan, and he's the Ashrai. Hmm? So with regard to Sakirasa, then Krishna's tasting, the example of him, given in Bhaktivarasamrita Sindhu, tasting Sakirasa and Virarasa, which is so compatible with Sakirasa, that heroic rasa. Krishna's always performing heroic deeds in the forest, and the boys are also thinking that themselves to be quite heroic as well. <laughs> They're his equal. So Krishna's lifting the hill with the idea of showing them, just see my my heroism and my, my strength. Hmm? Um, he's also tasting other rasas at this time. Hmm? All of them. Hmm? Like the recent, we have the verse in Bhagavatam that describes Krishna as rasa on the on the um, what's it called? And the wrestling mat, hmm? and 
everybody's looking at him and perceiving him in a different way. He's the object, and they're all looking at him from the from the, through the lens of different rasas, all twelve, the five primary and the seven secondary. So towards the end of Bhakti Rasamrita Singh, there's a nice verse of Rupa Goswami where the opposite describes him as the rasika, and he's lifting over the hill and he's tasting all the different rasas. Hmm? So with regard to Saki Rasa, this is what he's thinking. See my strength. Check me out. But, as you might understand and have thought already, the cowards weren't impressed. They weren't, they weren't convinced that you're so strong. And therefore their own herd sticks came up to support the hill. And this is what the golden leela is really, that's really impressive. The lifting of the hill is not so impressive, but the power of their preem Hmm? that in the face of that majesty hmm? could not be pushed back. Hmm? In the face of, I love you, oh my God, you're God. That didn't have any effect on them. Hmm? Seeing and lifting the hill, they just thought, he's just like us, he's going to need help. So they're <laughs> holding it up. This is, this is really... Now, that's why we had to hear the Bhagavatam through good sadhusanga, we can go within and see uh, what it's really about, what's really showcasing. Hmm? An instance of majesty within the, within Braj, but with the uh, indirectly hmm, to showcase the power of the love there. Hmm? That you can't be affected by it. It's constantly happening in the Braj Leela, constantly. This one is killed, that one is, Krishna's done this, Krishna's done that, and and the, the, the Brajabhasis are constantly making le- light of it or making less of it hmm? or accepting it, but whatever. Hmm? I guess he's God. And so it is with this Leela. After the Govardhan Leela, hmm, what happens? The Govardhan Leela, in fact, ended with Indra coming down, led by the celestial cow, Surabi, and all the gods bearing gifts. Hmm? In the late afternoon, when things had normalized, Govardhan had been placed back in his natural position and things were more or less normal. Hmm? And these gods descended and Krishna said to his friends, give me a minute here. And separated himself from the circle of his friends and made it easy for Indra to apologize. Because if he had to apologize in front of all of his friends and everything, it's a little harder to do. Very kind. He went there and, and Sarabi began to speak and as a cow, of course, she had some room with him and she had committed no offense. Brahma's there thinking, oh, I made an offense earlier. All of his four mouths are closed and sealed and and uh, nobody knew exactly you know, what would happen. But Krishna was very moved by, by Sarabi and then she asked permission to, to do the Abhishek, the sacred bath. and. Krishna gave permission. Indra told Airavata, his elephant, bring some Ganges water from the heavens. So with his trunk, he reached up, brought some water and Sarabhi's milk together, and they did the Abhishek, and then they dressed him in divine clothes from heaven and golden ornaments, and everybody gave a gift, and and the cowards are watching this for some. What's going on over there from from from, from a distance, right? Hmm. And um, and um, Andrew offered some, you know, an apology and whatnot, and uh, then they wept the gods 
and they were dismissed by Krishna and they went on their way. And as they went on their way, of course, Krishna reunited with his friends who said, what's going on? What's happening? And, and he didn't want to tell them the whole story. He just started taking off the gifts and dressing them up as and ornamenting them and worshiping them as if they were gods and so forth. And the gods, witnessing that, they, of course, realized this is super extraordinary. The power of their praying, the effect that it has on Bhagwan. I mean, we can get, we can't even get close to that. What is how they're interacting with him in this way? Hmm? And off they go. Then on the way, on the way home, hmm? Balaram pulled him aside. And said, "What really did go on there?" He had to get. So Krishna told him the details. He said, "All right, you better take those ornaments off now. We're going home. What are they going to think?" Home. Meanwhile, the boys put them on. Hmm? And they put an umbrella over Krishna and fanned him on the way home. And so, and then, then he, they returned, of course. So this is Indra pronounced Krishna to be the god of gods. And Shiva was there and Brahma, and they all agreed and so forth. And now he comes home, and now Namara's like, what's going on? What are these ornaments that and, and so forth? And so the boys had to make some... Statement Sri Dham said, Well, we were at a little bit of a distance, but I think you can see by the nature of these ornaments something heavenly happened. <laughs> uh, and, the, and, and then, of course, the Brahmin and rather blunt speaker, Madhu Mangal, blurted out, Well, oh, there was a cow started talking, and then some, some guy with Indra with, with eyes all over his body started offering uh, poems and prayers, and a four-headed guy started talking, and a five-headed guy, yeah, and so on. And, 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 then in the, and then, in that setting, suddenly an oracle came from the sky, Govinda, Govinda, hmm, he was your son, should be the prince. And so, so he's named Govinda, Krishna, and then they had a festival uh, for Krishna would be the successor, to Tananda Maharaj and and the divinity of it all, if you will, kind of faded into the background. Everyone was happy. This happened on Ekadasi. Hmm? This happened on Ekadasi. And uh, and so that night, Nanda Maharaj. Pakavaishnava, he stayed up the whole night observing the Ekadasi. But the particular Ekadasi was a short one consisting of, from a lunar perspective, only 18 hours. So after 18 hours, there were six hours before the sunrise. Hmm? And he had to break the fast before sunrise, but characteristically he would take a ba- he would bathe before breaking the fast, and um, um, completing the vow. At the same time, it was you know, not the best time to bathe in the Jamuna. And there were some lower-level rules that, uh, that uh, prohibited this. But he crossed over those rules in consideration of the Vaishnava perspective of honoring the Ekadasi. He was a Paka Vaidhi Bhakta. And, uh, so it would appear, uh, Nanda Maharaj, devotee of Narayan. Hmm? 
And so he bathed in the Jamuna and then he went into meditation upon Narayan. And one less informed servant of Varuna, the god of the waters, who happened to miss out on the procession during the Ekadasi. So there's a lot to the story, right? So he was kind of behind it. And he, he wanted, he thought, if I can capture Nanda, Krishna will come to my house. Hmm? My position will be enhanced and so forth. I'll be, I'll be blessed and so on. So whether he sent that as servant or not, it's not entirely clear. But, uh, but he had harbored this desire. Hmm? So, so Nanda Marsh was arrested, but he was in a meditative state. So he was brought down. And, and of course, when he didn't come up, then... This was a crisis in the community, and in early hours before sunrise, still dark, the cowherds' assistants of, of Nanda Maharaj, elderly, elderly elders, were, were calling out for Krishna and Ram, who woke up immediately and ran on the, to the spot, and understanding the situation uh, to some extent, uh, Krishna said, Balaram, you stay here on the shore, you take care of Mother Yashoda, I'm going to go in the water and I'll bring him back. So he dove in, and um, there he was honored by this uh, Varuna, who apologized. Oh, Krishna! And, and showed him his fa- his father, who was sitting on a throne, but he was in a meditation. And so Na Krishna touched his feet, and then he came out of meditation on the Rhine, and there was Krishna, and he was underwater, <laughs> you know, in, a, in, a, in some kind of a cavern, you know. And so Nanamar, as you can imagine, his head was kind of spinning. I'm meditating on Narayan, and there's Krishna. What's he doing here, and what am I doing here, and so on and so forth. And so um, Krishna, of course, Nanamar followed Krishna, Krishna home, and he was further burdened by Nanamar having to explain what happened that he didn't even understand yet himself, something very extraordinary. So the, the thought was, I was in this Varuna's heavenly underwater abode it was very opulent and so forth and, and I, when I came out of my meditation there was Krishna and there was Varuna worshipping Krishna in fact there's a famous verse Paramatmane. he says you are Brahman you are Bhagavan you are Paramatma about Krishna and Nanamarsh is hearing this and and um, and so he thinks, as he tries to explain it to the others, they all start thinking, you know, well, Krishna was in Varuna's abode, and Varuna's worshipping him. Does Krishna have his own abode? Maybe he's got some, you know, where's he from? <laughs> you know, we all have previous life, where did he come from? Hmm? So then if he has his own abode at, in the afterlife, would we be with him? Hmm? So everybody wants to know the future, right? At the cost of the present, unfortunately, <laughs> not paying attention to the present, uh, and uh, will not have as good of a future. So, the like ordinary people, they wanted to know the future, hmm? and of course, they asked Krishna, "Then, can you, can you, do you have the power to show us what our next life will be?" They, they assumed he must be God. This, they kind of put it together: Indra, the gods, this omen, this, this oracle coming down, now Varuna. And what's happening here? He must be God. I guess he is. 
cool. That's kind of how they thought about it. Well, let's ask them what our next life will be. Hmm? I mean, they didn't just go, oh, Krishna, you know, they just, what's that? You must know. So again, their prem didn't allow the, you know, this, the majesty of his godhood to, 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 to take over and dictate. Their prem dictated. And so Krishna felt obliged to show them their their next life. So he showed them Brahman. He took away their prem for a moment, merged them into Brahman, and brought them out. They didn't like that. <laughs> then he showed them Vaikuntha, right? And his majestic feature. And then he showed him Goloka. But when he showed him Goloka, there was only him there, and the Vedas were worshipping him. And they thought, that's different. That that must be his place. And well, Vedas are worshipping him there. And they didn't, they were, they said, anyway, we, let's just pay attention to where we are. Because right here we're with Krishna, and it's a much more intimate setting, and, and, and just get on with the day. Something like that. Hmm? So, of course, the lesson is one sense to pay attention to today and to your sadhana. Hmm? And, uh, and there you'll find your, your sadhya, right? In that. Hmm? We should think about the ideal, but think about it in terms of where we have to focus ourselves in the present to go there, step by step by step. So, Nanda Maharaj, at any rate, was a perfect observer of the Akadasi. So we have two examples from the Bhagavatam, one from a Jnani perspective, didn't understand the Akadasi and the full implications, and then the servant of Ruta, of Varuna, excuse me, was thinking about it from a from a karmic point of view. He thought, well, you bathed at the wrong time, therefore you're punishable, didn't understand he's observing a Vaishnavrat, which absolves one from having to, any, any lesser karmic uh, concerns and so forth. So the Bhagavatam is showing through these two examples that ikadasi is understood by Vaishnavas and the f- full fruit of their observance um, exceeds the fruits that are derived from observance from the Gyanmarg or the Karma Marg. Ikadasi Vrata Kijai. Nanda Babu Kijai. Gaud Premanandi. Hari Hari Bo. Shishigora Adam Adam Vakijaya.